Super Bowl Sunday always makes me think of Sundays during football season in my childhood church in Fort Worth, Texas. Sister Charlie Mae Cook, who has gone home to be with the Lord, was an avid Dallas Cowboys fan. Our services began at 1045 and usually ran until about 1 p.m. It was Sister Cook's custom, if the pastor's sermon was going too long, to simply pick up her purse and make her way down the side aisle. <laughs> Sister Cook would rather be watching the cowboys and thinking about God than in church thinking about the cowboys. <laughs> I promise that this sermon will not go into the four o'clock hour. <laughs> if someone asked me to summarize Christianity in three words, first, I'd be really frustrated by the challenge, but then I'd give them three words, death and resurrection. I remember the early days of this pandemic when newscasters used other mass death tolls to scale how many people were dying from COVID-19. In the first few weeks, they compared it to the number of Americans who died on September 11th, 2,977 people. Then they scaled it using the death tolls of American troops in Vietnam. 58,222 people. And then the scale stopped because the next benchmark was unimaginable. The next significant number was 675,000, the number of Americans who died in the 1918 flu pandemic. Just a few days ago, we surpassed 900,000 dead. How exactly are we to scale this milestone? With what does this level of pandemic-related pandemic devastation compare? Just when we need them, words and numbers fail us. Dr. Beth Felker-Jones, theology professor for Northern Seminary in Illinois, wrote, about, wrote this before the pandemic, saying the following, quote, death is the universal human horror that we try to defeat, but despite our medical advances and safety precautions, that horror remains ever before us, end quote. How humbling. Yes, our collective lifespans have gotten longer. Our hospitals are state of the art. Our treatments for any number of diseases have improved. And yet, death still comes at 100 years old, 100 hours old, and every moment between before and after. Curious enough, this portion of 1 Corinthians that speaks about death and resurrection does not pick up again until Easter day when St. Paul writes that in the fullness of time, the last enemy Christ will destroy is death. And every person who has had a loved one die 
is awaiting that day's arrival. Amen? Amen. Death and resurrection. It is as if there is a thread of resurrection present even in the few weeks before Lent. It's as if the Bible has nothing to do with the liturgical year. Lent, that penitential season that precedes Easter's great 50 days. Rushing through the veins of every baptized person is the reality St. Paul articulates so eloquently in this portion of 1 Corinthians. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Death and resurrection. St. Paul, addressing the Corinthian Christians' debates about the resurrection, they must have been the first Episcopalians, <laughs> connects our own deaths to Jesus' death on the cross and our own resurrections to his resurrection. While his language is relatively vivid, the particulars of what Jesus's and our own resurrection bodies are like remain vague, not to mention highly contentious in academic circles. Death precedes resurrection, and every thread of resurrection must run through Good Friday, that most unavoidable of stopovers on the road to Easter. Christian intimacy with death is as ancient as the blood and water flowing from Christ's wounded side on the cross. According to John's gospel, present as witnesses to Jesus' crucifixion are his aunt, Mary Magdalene, John the Apostle, and Mary, mother of Jesus. Jesus died in community. And that may very well be one of the most unnatural customs of this time, dying in a hospital room alone. From Christianity's earliest days, it has been the church's honor and duty to ensure that no one dies alone and no one is buried alone. St. John, Jesus' aunt, Mary Magdalene, and the mother of our Lord dignified the crucifixion by their witness, by their presence. And that is what a Christian death, and any death for that matter, is. The folding in of all the disappointment, all the joys, all the power and love into a single, quiet, final breath. And for St. Paul... The death Jesus dies is consumed and reversed, consumed and reversed in his surprising resurrection. For St. Paul and countless Christians throughout history, Jesus' resurrection is in some way connected to our own resurrections in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine. Death and resurrection. In the wake of Jesus' rising from the dead and his subsequent appearances near and around the Sea of Galilee is one hint of the resurrections to come.
the formation of new communities built on a shared, joyful experience of the resurrection of Christ. In John's Gospel, once Mary arrives at the borrowed tomb and realizes the stone has been removed from the entrance, she runs to Saints Peter and John. Peter and John go to the tomb and find Jesus' burial clothes lying there. Three people bonded by the mystery of death and resurrection. Later that day, when even more disciples are together and are afraid of hostile authorities, Jesus appears to them, foiling their locked doors. And that's a sermon in and of itself. You lock your door, God's still going to get in. They're behind the locked doors, and Jesus appears to them behind the locked doors and says this, peace be with you, and shows them his hands and his sides. In the days following, Jesus appears to his companions at what scholars call the first church fish fry, (laughs) speaking words of healing and forgiveness into St. Peter, the apostle, along with Judas, who betrayed our Lord. Again, a community bonded by the mysterious appearance of the crucified and risen one. Whether we are conscious of this or not, every person in this room Every person joining us by live stream today is bonded by our individual and shared experiences of the Jesus who died one Friday evening, was dead all day Saturday, but got up early one Sunday morning with all power in his hands. It is this Jesus this first fruit of those who have died, of those who have fallen asleep, as one translation says, who is present with us as we die and raised not only in the sacrament of baptism, but in the sacrament of the altar just behind me as flesh and blood coaxing us from death to resurrection. Four years after fleeing Uganda, due to political distress and unrest. Bishop Festo Kivengere, the great Anglican cleric, said the following in his Easter sermon. This is an Easter sermon from 1977. Quote, Resurrection is not for upright people. It's for brokenhearted people. The defeated and shattered. Before Christ died and rose again, suffering was meaningless, empty, a shattering experience which made life bitter. Jesus died in suffering and pain, and he covered suffering with love, victorious, holy love. This kind of love will never be conquered." End quote. Are you brokenhearted today? Are you suffering today? Are you in pain today? 
If so, please hear very clearly God's promise in Christ. Death and resurrection. Amen.